0: Welcome to Out of Curiosity. Consider us your field guide for queer pride. You will hear from the best of the best in terms of queer business leaders, queer relationship experts, the activists working to protect us all, and everyday LGBTQ people that have figured a few things out so you don't have to. Out of Curiosity is brought to you by the Pride and Joy Foundation. Let's do this. Welcome back, fam. It's Elena Joy, pronounce she her, your host of Out of Curiosity. Here at Pride and Joy Foundation, we explore how LGBTQ individuals can use their voices to both support their mental well-being as well as positively impact the world and their financial well-being. A perfect example of this is when a queer subject matter expert writes and publishes a book. We've known along with public speaking, we need more LGBTQ plus authors in the world. So we created Outright Authors. This is a path to publishing class just for LGBTQ writers. It opens up just once a year, and that time for 2023 is now. So today we are chatting with the instructor, Suzette, as well as Outright Authors alum, C. Rizleris. Suzette Mullen, pronounced she her, is an LGBTQ plus book coach, speaker, Recovering Rule Follower, and author of The Only Way Through Is Out. It's her memoir, forthcoming in January 2024, from the University of Wisconsin Press. Her coming out story inspires audiences, both straight and queer, to find the courage to take the next right step toward authenticity in their own lives, no matter their age. Suzette has been featured on Today All Day and published in the New York Times, Suzette is a frequent guest on podcasts, including Zestful Aging, Coming Out and Beyond, and more. Suzette was also a student in our keynote Queers second cohort, getting her public speaking skills all zhuzhed up and ready for her upcoming book launch and tour. Also joining us in our conversation today is our Director of Operations, C. Rizleris, pronouns they, them. C. recently earned their MFA in writing from Vermont College of Fine Arts. C has worked in higher education for over 10 years and currently volunteers with LGBTQ youth at the Guilford Green Foundation. C also serves on the Transgender Task Force Committee for the city of Greensboro, North Carolina. I know I personally am extremely blessed to have both of these humans in my life. Now let's get to know Suzette and C and find out what it takes for a queer author to get published in today's world. Welcome back to Out of Curiosity, the podcast by Pride and Joy Foundation. I'm your host, Elena Joy, pronouns she, her, and I am so excited for the conversation today. We're going to be speaking all about publishing, what's going on in that world, and how we can queer it up. I'm so excited for our guest. We are here with Suzette Mullen, who I refer to as the Queer Book Whisperer. She is my personal book writing coach, and I love working with her, as well as she's going to be involved with a program that we are doing with Pride and Joy Foundation Outright Authors. We are also here with our Pride and Joy Foundation Director of Operations, Sierra's Zlaris, pronounced they them. They are here with us both as a recent MFA grad, as well as an alumni of the Outright Authors Program. So, so excited to have you both here with us today. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks. I'm excited about our conversation. Yes, thank you for having us.
0: Absolutely. I think it's so fascinating, Suzette, how you've decided not just to be a book coach, which thank God, because I needed one so badly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but also you've really decided to work with just LGBTQ authors. And I think there's some business coaches out there that would say like, that's a little too niche down, <laughs> right? But you have made this an incredible impact in our community. How did you decide that you wanted to work with just LGBTQ authors?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I have to say it was kind of a hard decision because it, particularly when you're starting out in business, you know, you have this. I'll just work with anyone who will pay me, and um, and it's scary to niche down. And I mean, I've niched down even further. That it's you have to be LGBTQ plus, and you have to be writing nonfiction, memoir, or prescriptive nonfiction. I've done a lot of scary things for myself later in life. I lived a safe, comfortable life for my first fifty plus years, and it was a good life. But it was ultimately not the life I think I was meant to live. And in this Suzette 2.0, in this, in this second version of my personal professional life, I've just decided to, to just kind of go for things and, and maybe take some more risks. And this was a risk that was important for me because I as a newer member of the LGBTQ plus community, somebody who came out later in life, I have the experience of having walked in both worlds, of having walked in the world as a supposedly straight person and definitely somebody who had heterosexual privilege and now walking in a world where I have to be careful about what I say, who I say it to, to be kind of on alert with microaggressions and always be questioning like, is this a safe space to be who I fully am? And I wanted to create that kind of safe space for LGBTQ writers. I wanted to create whether I'm working with them one-on-one or in a group setting, I wanted to have a space where people could let their guards down and could be fully who they are. And I'm part of a wonderful book coaching community that nurtures me and supports me. And I didn't see anyone else doing this work. And so there was a need, and I felt a passion to fill that need. and i'm I'm so excited because it's, you know, it was scary. I mean, any anyone who's an entrepreneur knows about all the all the decisions that you're making along the way and weighing the pros and cons. And for me, it's been, it's been so great to just be like yeah this is who i serve and this is who i want to speak to and this is you know when you talk about marketing i don't have to be worrying about marketing to all the people i'm marketing i'm speaking to a particular community and their lgbtq plus people who have something they want to say they have a they they have a voice they have a story they have a message that the world needs to hear and I'm, you know, this is what I've dedicated my, this chapter of my life to, and it's super exciting. And we're so
0: grateful that you have, because like you said, there is a very big gap there. And I'm really glad you brought that up when we were, it was our first book that we published thriving in business. And we were bringing together 13 queer authors, and we were all looking for someone to help guide this a little bit. And we couldn't, find them. We could find editors, we could find book coaches, but these were 13 queer authors and the audience was queer entrepreneurs. Like we needed that voice and perspective and thank goodness you're here now. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'd like to hear from you. Do you think there's something kind of unique to being an author with an LGBTQ plus identity?
2: Um, Absolutely. I know in my MFA program, there was carved out space to connect with other LGBTQ writers. And then when I saw OWA last year, it was, there was something extra special about that to just have this sacred safe space for queer writers where you didn't have to explain yourself on certain terms and ideologies. You just kind of were understood in a way that I didn't always get with working with my advisors all the time, or even with other peers that I would share feedback with there, there was an extra layer of explanation, which is there's nothing wrong with that. And you can get a lot of great feedback, but to have that safe, protected space, I think is really important as an author, it gives you just a certain level of confidence that is necessary in such a straight dominated publishing industry.
1: Right, and you yes. need that confidence. What were you going to say, Suzanne? Yeah, I yeah, I wanted to just sort of piggyback onto what C said. Is that writing is the act of writing, and particularly if you're going to be putting your writing out for the, for others to read, it is a very very vulnerable act. No matter what you're writing, whether you're writing fiction, memoir, or prescriptive nonfiction, it is just on its face vulnerable. You are putting your your deep thoughts, your ideas onto the page for people to see and judge, and so to re, as C said to remove that additional layer of having to explain yourself or having having the fear that your your choices or your orientation, your gender identity, all of the things might be it might be challenged or that people might be judging you. I mean, that's, I think those of us, the three of us are on, who are on this podcast are all queer and we've all had that experience of walking in the world and not knowing whether it was safe to be who we are and whether it's just walking down the street or in a business setting, how much of ourselves are we, is it safe for us to reveal and so i think that is why having queer writing community is really really important like c said you can get great writing feedback from in many many different contexts and i am we are certainly not here to to say this is the only way but but to have to have that safe space where you can be vulnerable and not feel not have that additional fear that you're being judged for who you are because of your your identity is is just huge. It really is.
0: It really is. And you know, when we first started OWA, I knew it was a good idea on paper. Right. And we can go we're going to go into this more about how 97% of the publishing industry is straight, right? And how do we how do we fix that? And that's why we really went into this full speed. But it wasn't until our first live discussion when we were all sitting there together (laughs) and one person I'll never forget she was just referencing the fact it was the first time she was bringing her girlfriend home and we all knew all of the nuance to that we didn't have Mm. to explain it we didn't have to justify it you know so when you said that see that there's like there's these parts that it's just so helpful to not have to explain it I think that was for me that was that huge realization of This is why we need it. Like, yes, it'll be amazing to increase the diversity in the publishing world, but individual humans need the experience of coming together and exploring what needs to be said in a really safe environment.
2: Yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And, and to go into that, I think there's a really great question around You've used this phrase a few times, and I'm going to be totally honest. When you first used it, I had to Google it because I did not know what it meant. (laughs) Can you help us understand what prescriptive
1: nonfiction is? Sure, absolutely. So in, in the nonfiction world, we kind of divide nonfiction in half. One half is we call narrative nonfiction, and that would be memoirs, most memoirs, and anything that's really story based. It's a book that a nonfiction book that reads more like a novel. Typically it's a, it's a story with a beginning, a middle and an end. And then we have books that we call prescriptive nonfiction, which are much more topic based or subject matter based. And that's, it's kind of, it's, it's a dividing line. Sometimes that line can get a little blurry because Very often when you're writing a topic-based or subject-based book, you have a a personal story or stories that you want to share as part of exploring that that subject matter. But so prescriptive nonfiction, think of like self-help books, how-to books, business books, anything that is much more focused on a particular topic or subject matter versus the story. So, and it matters, I, I don't want to get too into the weeds of, of why of why it matters, but but they those books are pitched to publishers in a different way from memoirs and, and novels and fiction. And it's all about understanding really what is your book and who is it for and what the purpose of it is. And In Outright Authors, this cohort, we're gonna focus on prescriptive nonfiction books, which is a very, very broad, a very, very broad category. And you know, I know Elena that you're working on on one of those books on inclusive leadership. And we've been doing some coaching around that. And inside the Outright Authors course, we will have some recordings of those coaching sessions. Does that answer the question about what prescriptive okay. Right. Yes.
0: Yes. I think for me, I've really like defaulted down to it's like self-help, like business, like I've, I I, have and I and I want to expand that. But just in the conversation that we've been having around different books that we wish we had, and we're going to get to that at the end of the conversation. So mm. stick around. So it's going to be so mm. juicy. <laughs> but I think that even that has helped me really open my eyes to what prescription nonfiction could be. A huge part of how the reason we're all here, Pride and Joy Foundation, and why this programming is a part of it. So the mission of Pride and Joy Foundation is to prevent suicide and homelessness in our LGBTQ plus community and for a huge, a huge portion of our community we don't fit well in corporate America. Corporate America is not a safe or welcoming place for many of us in the community. And so there's so many of us that have started our own businesses. We're entrepreneurs. It's a way for us to earn money in a safe way, both mentally and physically, right? And I noticed with Pride and Joy Foundation, we have so many queer entrepreneurs that are struggling to get that foothold. We don't have generations of family telling us how to start a business or providing that support oftentimes, sometimes, but not often. And so we're really kind of on our own and trying to learn from each other how we can make successful businesses. And then on the flip, so of course that's protecting ourselves in an economic way. And then we also have protecting our mental health, right? And we have found the Pride and Joy Foundation where we like to focus on that as using our voice, using our voice as such a powerful way to protect our mental health. And so, and then I'm going to bring it back full circle to when I was starting off my life 2.0, trying to figure out a safe way that I was going to earn the money and pay the bills and put food on the table. I'm working with a business coach and we're coming up with a business plan. And she says to me, all right, you need social proof. You need validation. So it's either got to be, you got to publish a book or you got to go do a TED talk. And now we fast forward four years and Pride and Joy Foundation offers two courses, Keynote Queers for Public Speaking, and Outright Authors for Getting a Path to Publishing, because these are the two ways that we feel like we can really leverage these, both for our mental health, using our voice, as well as for our financial resiliency, right? So here we are getting ready to, well, the question is, we have a group of people out there that are book curious, right? They're curious. They're kind of interested. Maybe I want to write a book. I'm not quite sure why or how or when. but first, I need to understand what's in it for me, right? Like if we're going to really commit to a huge project like this, we need to know what's in it for me. (laughs) And that really fulfills the mission as well, because we want to make sure you're getting something out of it to protect that mental health and financial resiliency. So what are queer authors of prescription nonfiction books? What are they going to get from
1: it? Yeah, so there's, there's a thing in our culture, which is you know I don't know if it's a good it's good or bad but it 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 just is authors are kind of elevated people oh you're an author and it and just having a, a, a published book out in the world it adds a layer of credibility to whatever to to your business to it gets you on bigger stages it makes it easier to Pitch a podcast to, you know, I was part of the keynote queers cohort as well. And it makes it easier to pitch for speaking engagements. I mean, people, people like to hear from authors. I mean, it just, it's just a thing. And, you know, I remember I was on a, a discovery call with a potential client who is a, is a queer person, a business, an entrepreneur, and very, very busy person. He he had a a new baby and, you know, a lot, lots of balls in the air, but he's, he was just like, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like I need to write, I need to write a book to, you know, I go to all these conferences and all these other speakers have books there and I don't have that. And I mean, this sounds fairly superficial, but it, it actually, It actually really isn't. And here's why. One of the things that we do, it's it's actually in the first week of Outright Authors is we dig into your deep why. We dig into the why do you want to write this book? And we don't stop at the surface. We really, really dig deeper. And that's where you really discover. And it's fine to have an external why, like I want to make more money. I want to, you know, get on. I want to build my business. I want to get on more stages. Those are all great whys. And it's just identifying what those are. And we don't stop there. We dig into the internal why, too. What is that? What's really underneath all of that? And often it's about wanting to impact more people, impact a certain population, serve more people. I mean, if if you're a coach, for example, There's only one of you and maybe you're kind of expensive for people to hire. And it's a way to be able to spread your your message, your framework to more people, impact more people. And one other other idea um, that may not occur to people or benefit that may not occur to people, and this came up in our coaching session the other day, Elena, when we were talking, is that Typically, when you're writing a prescriptive nonfiction book, you are, you're writing it out of your expertise. It's some subject matter that you have some expertise on, and we can talk about what that means the more later free of time, but it's a subject matter that you, that you talk, that you speak to groups about, but when you actually decide to put it down on the page, it forces you to get much, much more clear about what is it that you actually do and how do you do it? And so an added benefit is that not only do you end up with this book that is going to help you get on more stages and make help you be more visible, you actually often become better at what you are doing in the world because you have more clarity because you've been forced to articulated for somebody else who doesn't has no idea what you're doing. So I mean that that is also an added an added benefit from from writing a book. So these people who are book curious, I you know, I come across them all the time and they, you know, they haven't completely committed to the idea of writing a book, but they know They kind of, they're, they're kind of watching other people and it's something that's like, yeah, I think I might want to do it, but not being really clear on what are the, what are the benefits? So I hope that this made that a little bit more clear. What are some of the benefits of writing a prescriptive nonfiction book?
0: Mm, I think you hit on the biggest one for me because you're absolutely right. Going through this process has really clarified my ideas that I teach on a consistent basis. I think the other part for me that maybe drives me in a intellectual way is I'm at a point in my business where I'm going to these events. And if I had a book, I could sell it to them, right? So I'm leaving money on the table and there's that. But I think the thing that excites me, that drives me from the inside, that gets me in the chair to write the book and to do the work is how much I'm learning about myself, I will never forget that first cohort that we did Outright Authors. I was working on my memoir and when we did that deep why exercise an answer came that drove my work for at least the next year which was I this whole time I was thinking I'm my my why is to reduce the demand for conversion therapy and anyone who knows my story knows why. And and I and that's still important. It really is. But you pushed me to dig deeper than that. And I was like, is there anything else yeah. that's deeper than that, right? But there was. And it was my realization of I am writing this book to honor who I was then. And I really mm. needed to do that. Like that was a crucial mm. part of my hearing, of my healing. And so, yes, I agree. There's There's so much for our career. There's so much for us as well as individuals. Yeah. What do you think, C? What do you, what have you seen that is in it for them for book curious people?
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's a really great point, Elena. I know in just going through my program recently, I was able to confront a lot of my inner truths, figure out pieces of myself. And I know how important it is for me to see other people's stories because we're not a monolith and we do share a lot of similar thread lines in our journeys as queer people, as gender nonconforming folks. And so for me, it's like, yes, that why it's to connect to someone else it's to find your voice and to develop that voice. Because oftentimes we are silenced in the world. How many times have you felt silenced? And it's like with, with writing and confronting that and crafting it. And it's not just this stream of consciousness that comes out—it's that giving yourself that time to really work through it, and also by connecting with other queer writers and other people who have similar experiences yet different—you're able to learn from each other, and that develops your writing even more. And so that's what came to mind when we were just talking about it.
0: A hundred percent, and I'll never forget. There were you and I have started talking about a business education series that hopefully we're going to launch in twenty twenty four, and a topic that you brought up lit me up. And it was this idea of how can we use drag to improve our writing, to improve our copywriting, to improve our creative writing. And it was just like, oh, you've got to be kidding. That's amazing. (laughs) Absolutely amazing.
2: Yeah. And I was talking with a friend of mine as well in my cohort, and it doesn't even have to be full on drag. I mean, even just like thinking about putting on a loved one that passes shirts to get closer to those feelings and just utilizing different embodiments to get deeper in the writing. It's interesting. And, you know, we wouldn't have that without uh, that little queer outside perspective. Absolutely.
1: Elena, can I, can I just put, I just want to kind of put a, a punctuation mark on this conversation because it made me realize an assumption I was making. And I'm so glad that you, called out the idea of about self-discovery because of course as as a memoir writer and I coach a lot of memoir writers first and foremost our kind of first layer is it is a process of self-discovery we are we are writing to understand what we experienced why we did the things we did make connecting connecting all the dots and then we we write it in such a way that it can be meaningful for other people. And so that's more obvious I think in the memoir space, but I I'm so glad you you called this out in the prescriptive nonfiction space because it it, it writing in even in this space is also an act of self-discovery. Um you are going to discover things about what you really care about in the world and why you care about it and who you want to serve and as you write, you're going to get more and more clarity and more and more depth. And not only are you going to hopefully end up with a book that is going to make a difference for people in the world, but you're going to understand a lot more about yourself and the things you care about and why you care about them. So I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was kind of, I was skating a bit on the surface there with the benefits and there are, there, there are many, many layers of benefits and that I'm so glad you called out that one. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Thank
0: you. And I love that in doing this in community, I have found that there are times when other authors are able to help me see where I've got, maybe some internalized homophobia, maybe some internalized misogyny, right? Like it's amazing what comes out on the paper. There is a writer that I often quote that says, you don't know how you feel about something until you write about it. And for Mm -hmm. me, that has been so true. That has been so true. Yeah. Yes. I love that process. Are you loving this interview with Nicole? I hope you join us at our Pride and Joy Parents event on Tuesday, September 19th where we will have another live event with Nicole to answer all of your questions as parents, teachers, grandparents, and other adult loved ones of LGBTQ youth, how we can help their voice become a key part of their mental wellness. We are so excited to have the opportunity to get all the information and knowledge from this incredible resource that is Nicole. Please join us, prideandjoyparents.com, to sign up for our event. We can't wait to see you there. So now that we know kind of what's in it for me and all these different levels from possible added income, added audience level, added social validity and social proof, An extra easiness in getting things like podcast interviews and such. Now that we know that we've got all these benefits, not to mention all the things we learned about Mm ourselves, if we were now book ready instead of book curious, there still seems to be some big barriers before people take that step into really committing to do this book, right? And there's some big ones. I I feel like the phrase is trite and yet important. This idea of imposter syndrome. Because I think we're talking a lot about how representation matters. And, and that's a huge driving force of this course is trying to create more diversity and queer representation in the in the publishing world. And we don't have that many queer authors out there, do we? It, it's it's yeah. hard to not feel like an imposter when we don't have many to look at that that reflect who we are.
1: Yeah, and I think that we see that really very much in this prescriptive nonfiction space. And I think we're seeing more and more queer memoir which is fantastic and um I'll be adding mine to that list. Not to say that there can't be lots more. We're not a monolith. We have we have a diversity of experiences. But I think in the prescriptive nonfiction space there's really there is really really a gap. And and yes, I you know it's interesting Elena most of the writers that come to me to discuss working on a book, I would say most of them are book ready. Most people don't, you know, book a discovery call with a book coach if they're just curious. But so most of the people who come to me are book ready, but something has something or some things have been holding them back from taking action on their book. And I think that there, there's at least two or three common reasons. And one of them, I think, would fall under that imposter syndrome space. And it's really all about fear. It's about fear of, do I really have anything worth saying? Hasn't somebody already said that and said it better than me? Or am I really an expert? it's about fear about being visible and about whether your voice and your, your message and your story really matters. And so I, I see that a lot and that's part of the work that we do in outright authors is that we get really clear on, you know, one of our exercises is why you, and that, you know, why are you the person to write this book? And it goes right to those fears. So we we identify what those fears are and then we help the writer claim their authority to to write their book, and and that they do have something to say. Mm-hmm. I've got I've, other things I can say about barriers, but I don't know if we, if we want to talk any more about the fears of the imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think recognizing that it's there and it's a huge barrier, I think, is so important, and I think. Literally, like you said, as every prescription nonfiction book by a queer person is published, I think that imposter syndrome can can decrease a lot. And I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about with this class is I feel like we could be the start of an amazing explosion of queer authorship in the prescriptive nonfiction world. And that is just the most exciting thing. Ever, see what do you identify as some as another big barrier to committing to sitting down and doing that book?
2: I mean, I definitely think what Suzette just said—it's the fear and it's the well, why me and why am I the expert? But then I had a conversation with someone, and it was like, how many narratives are out there, and it's the the straight cisgender heteronormative white man writing a how to or how to be successful, how to be rich, how to do this. And it's the same narrative, just a different layer to it. And so why not for us? And so (laughs) that can be daunting. Absolutely. But I always think of that. And it's like, okay, well, there is space for more than one of the voices at the table. Because again, going back to what we said, again, and again, we are not a monolith. Mm -hmm. And our story might be different. There's different lenses. I mean, I I think of the lecture that I just did for school, me and another creative nonfiction writer, we did the same thing on Persona from two totally different lenses. I learned a lot from her lecture. She learned a lot from mine. And it was like the same elements, just told a little differently. And so it's kind of like thinking about your brand of how what you're bringing to the table because you're just like you said, Suzette, your our experiences are very different and that's part of our why and it's like when you did ask us i remember last march why me and it's like okay because i have a certain experience and a certain layer and element that not all other people have
0: a hundred percent and and why me is because right now i mean this answer might change 50 years from now but right now because our queer community doesn't have that voice we don't have We don't have those big names that are out there, right? Like I'm thinking Atomic Habits and all of these really good Mm -hmm. books, but they're not our voice. Mm -hmm. And so why you? Because we need you.
2: We need you. Mm -hmm. We need you. They're trying to erase our stories and erase our voices. Mm -hmm. And we need to be represented, all of us. So,
0: And I have to say, I think I've really enjoyed working on my prescriptive nonfiction book. The memoir is going to get done eventually. It is just, it's intense and it's heavy. And I think that for many of us, there's a time to write that and it might not be right now, but if we're still wanting to publish a book, we can see how much opportunity there is in that prescriptive nonfiction field. And the only barrier that's there is, can you claim your expertise? Can you claim the why
2: me, right? Because that field is wide open and we need all of those voices. Yeah. And just p- popping on the Atomic Habits, it's like, I love the concept of that book, but I was just like, well, this isn't my narrative because this is like, this is a man and, you know, I don't ha- he gets to navigate the world in a different way than, than mm-hmm. I do. And then I think of in keynote queers, Brenna Wilson, who was talking about financial elements and whatnot. And I said, okay, yes, like you are. Someone in the community doing the thing. I see myself a little bit in you, so yes, that opens up something for me.
1: Oh, we need to get her. We need to get. We need all. All of the keynote queer cohort had amazing, amazing things to say, and they got a great head start because they did their, their, their basically their TED talk. So a little um, pitch for for the for the keynote queers. Elena, there's one other, I think, giant barrier to writers who are who know they want to write a book. There's one other big barrier for them to take action. And I and I, I'd say the one word category for that is overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And overwhelm can come in a lot of different ways and it manifests itself in a lot of different ways for writers writing a book is a complex project. Let's just say, I mean, if anyone who tells you that it's not, they're not being truthful, okay? So I just I just wanna say that, you don't whip off a book in a weekend, um, at least not the kind of book that we're talking about, a book that has a lot of substance and thought and is once is, is, a book that will make an impact in the world. And most people who have never written a book before have no idea what are the steps involved. I mean, why would you, I mean, if you've never written a book before, why would you know, why would you know that? So there's, there's a sense of, we know it's kind of a big thing and it feels mysterious and it feels really kind of amorphous and hard. And we don't know what the steps are and we don't know what the first step is. And we don't know. There's so many unknowns. So there's just this kind of big general overwhelm. And I think that stops a lot of people. And that's part of what we are doing in Outright Authors is that we're giving people a process to get started, to plan their book, to get very, very clear on what their book actually is, what they've come to the page to say, who it's for. We um, take them through an outlining process and getting very clear on where the book is going to fit in the marketplace so that by the end of the course, you are ready to write that book or pitch that book or write a book proposal if you're going to try to traditionally publish your book. So we really, we break it down into really small step-by-step pieces so that we handle that overwhelm piece, and and I think also under over under the overwhelm umbrella, there's the question about time. We're we're busy. I mean, most people are very very busy, and if you're an entrepreneur, a queer entrepreneur, or a coach, or anyone who is in this expert space, I'm going to guess that you you have a lot on your plate already. And so it's about, you know, how, how am I going to find the time to write a book? Well, what I will say is that if you have, if you have a plan, you will be much more efficient in your book writing process. It will, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, it's not going to take time. It absolutely will take time. But if you plan first, you will save yourself a ton of time and you'll save yourself a ton of frustration. And really to have this journey, this step-by-step process curated for you, it's gonna save you a lot of time of you know just trying to research it on your own and, and figure it all out. So I think fear and overwhelm are the two things that hold most people back from taking action on something that they really, really want to do.
2: 100%. Go on, see. And Suzette, just to bounce off that, I mean, I can't begin to tell you how incredibly helpful taking your course was and seeing the okay, after the book is done and it's ready to go out there, I learned a lot about structuring it. And then I got, I received a lot of incredible feedback from thinking about the blurb on the back and going through that entire process. That was incredibly helpful. And I, I mean, I didn't get all of that in my MFA program. We did a lot of the developmental and trying this and that. We got a little bit on the publishing, but with your class, I mean, that was incredible because it makes me feel like now I have this to go back when I'm you know, ready to query it. I have a plan and I still have my notebook mm-hmm. right here with all, of, all of the information. So I love it.
1: One of the exercises we do kind of wrap up the, I don't want to like, spoil the ending of the course but we have kind of a, a wrapping up module at the end where we we do this one page book summary that includes writing some of what we call jacket copy which is i think what what C is referring to which um is what's on the back of the book I'll hold up a book here you know this 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 part right here and it really forces you to think about What is distilling your book down into a paragraph? Elena, we were just talking about that on the coaching call the other day. And it's a really powerful exercise. And it's not about getting it right, necessarily. The first time it's about thinking about it, engaging with it, and having the tools that you'll take as you continue to work on your book, because chances are your ideas will evolve and your jacket copy will likely evolve as well.
0: Absolutely. The whole thing is so iterative. It's like meta, how iterative Uh it is, right? Because now that I've gone through it, I can't imagine approaching a book writing project without all of those tools. Like once I gave myself permission to put the memoir on the back burner and pursue the joy that writing the inclusive leadership book is for me. Once I gave myself permission from that, then it was just like, all right, where's, where's all of Suzette's outlines? (laughs) Where's all the questions? Where's all the tools? Where's my outcome outline? Like, where is everything that I need to, and it was just, so lovely that even though I'm running a nonprofit, I'm running a consulting business, and now I want to write the dang book, I have the plan. And it just makes every time I sit down to write so so efficient. And I'm kind of an efficient nut. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. I think there's a question of, okay, but what is this course? Am I going to be this outright authors am i going to be writing my first draft i've already written my first draft or what am i like really going to walk away from this course having versus not having do you have any thoughts on that suzette
1: yeah so what what you will have is you will have basically a business plan for your book you'll have a you will have a plan to move forward to either write your book, to draft your book. If you're going to self-publish, that, that would be your next step. Or if you're going to seek agent representation or working with a um, a traditional publisher. When I say that, what, what I mean by that is a publisher that is very selective and is choosing your book and it's very, it's very competitive. You need to have a book proposal, which is an expanded document that will build on all of the work that we will have done in outright authors. So you will end up with a detailed outline for your book and you will have clarity on who the book is for, what you've come to the page to say, where it fits in the marketplace, some ideas about how you're going to position it and what are the other, we call them comp titles, what are the other books that are in conversation with your book, So you're gonna have a really great understanding of the the marketplace for your book, as well as an outline, and you'll be ready to hit the ground running with going forward and drafting your book or drafting your book proposal. Does that answer your question? It absolutely does. Uh,
0: Hey fam, you've heard that writing a book will help your career. You've watched other colleagues get published and step onto bigger stages and become more visible. You're curious about whether this is the next right step for you, but you haven't taken action yet. Outright Authors is an eight week course just for LGBTQ authors to be that gives you the tools to raise your voice and write a nonfiction book that makes an impact. You'll leave OWA knowing exactly why you want to write this book, what you want to say, who it's for, and how it'll be structured. Plus, you'll create a detailed outline and actionable next steps to write your book and get it published. This class only happens once a year. So head to outrightauthors.com to submit your application before the window closes. Payment plans are available and a few scholarships too. So head to outrightauthors.com and join us. See, what do you feel like you walked away
2: from OWA with? I was in it during my second semester of my MFA program and I was already overwhelmed, not knowing where to go, but I walked away with a better direction for, you know, I was writing a collection of essays. And so OWA gave me that structure that I needed, that why, the the marketing plan that I, again, I didn't really get all of that information in, in my MFA program. But it also, I walked away with a, uh, some community because I know a couple of us still meet once a month or so. And we talk about writing and just having that accountability. And so it's like that extra bonus encouragement. Cause it's like, you give us the, we were in a six week and I think this one is an eight week, but then it's like, okay, now what? And you have to have that accountability with someone. And we've, we've had that, we've given each other that a year and a half later. So
1: mm-hmm. that's
2: been great. And I feel like Suzette's structure really provides that. Mm-hmm. And and there is a landing
0: place, right? Suzette has a landing place. If we need it, there is that next step that's available for us, which I just love that we've built that in, Suzette, so that no one feels abandoned or like I just got this great kickstart and now I don't know what to do and now yeah. I'm all alone. Like that's not going to happen. There is a place to land afterwards.
1: Yeah, yeah. and yes, because I I have I've created a mentorship program for LGBTQ plus memoir and nonfiction writers. So that was one of the. that that came out of this part, partly out of the experience with outright authors last year is that I wanted to be able to continue working with the writers and I didn't have a next step for them. And many of them, like C mentioned, have continued to meet on their own, which is fantastic. And now I do have a a place where I invite people to come continue to work with me if, if they want to, I want to say just one more thing in case Uh anyone is listening who is thinking, well, I kind of, I've already started my book, or my prescriptive nonfiction book, or I, you know, I've got a draft, but I don't know if it's any good. So is this course for me? And what I would say is yes, absolutely. Yes. Most of the writers that we had in the first cohort had not begun writing their book. However, if you have begun writing, or even if you have a draft, going through these foundational questions will help you improve your book it'll help you get really really clear on all the so all, all these questions are are helpful at the start of the process they're helpful if you're stuck in the messy middle and they're also helpful if you're if you've tried to pitch your book and it's you're not getting anywhere Maybe you've you've written your book and you think it's ready and you've been trying to get an agent or you've been trying to get a book deal and you're not getting anywhere. Going back to this, these fundamentals will really, really help you. So I do anticipate that most of our writers will be coming in with just ideas, but it is completely appropriate if you're writing anything in that big prescriptive nonfiction space, a topic-based, subject-based book, wherever you are in the process, this course can be really, really helpful for you. And we did decide to, we haven't increased the amount of content. We had a lot of content last time, but we increased the space to engage with the content because it there's a lot of deep thinking and people are busy and we wanted to give people a little bit more space. So we built in a an integration week into um, the course where people can just kind of take a breath and catch up or even get ahead. And that was one of the comments we had in our surveys. No one thought the course was too long. And a few people were like, oh, I wish we had, had a little more time. So we decided to build in a little more time this time.
2: Yeah. And Suzette, also what was helpful was to hear your first hand experience going through the process. That was invaluable. I mean, to interact with you going through the pitching, the acceptance, then the book cover reveal and hearing about the titles. I mean, that's stuff that we don't get, uh, you know, just out there in the world either. So that was helpful. Just wanted to mention that.
0: That's huge. And and I want to go to that. I want to speak to that before we get to our last question. How has this experience of becoming a published author been for you? Tell us a little about that.
1: Yeah, it's it's really exciting. It's all the feels, right? So, you know, we talked about writing being very vulnerable. It's definitely vulnerable. It feels like, oh boy, my, you know, I'm writing a memoir. So it's my story and it's going to be out in the world and my writing and all of that. I have loved being able to share my experience along the way with the writers that I'm working with, because I mean, that's kind of who, who I am. I am, you know, pun intended, I am an open book, but I think, you know, just kind of keeping it real, like keeping it real, the the ups and downs. It is an emotional roller coaster going through the book writing process and pitching it and all of that. And I believe that, you know, when we had our last cohort, it'll be almost a year and a half since we had the last one. And I was pitching my, uh, had I gotten the book deal by then? See, mm-hmm. I can't remember. No, no I think that the publisher, the University of Wisconsin Press, who's publishing my book had, ex- at that point, they had expressed interest in in my manuscript. And so I had, I was beginning that journey with them, which six months later or so I did sign a contract. And I, I, I love this story. I don't know if you know, I won't go into the details, but I received my contract, the signed contract from the publisher for me to sign. I received it on coming out, National Coming Out Day. And I know, I know, like, what are the odds, right? Like, what are the odds? And so that was just like a really beautiful moment. And I share that with, you know, all, my community. And yeah, I think I'm a better book coach because I've been through this experience and I, So I know what it feels like. I know what it looks like. I can share my experience with the writers I work with. And then as far as, you know, kind of circling back to our first question about the benefits of, of having a book out in the world. Well, my book's not out in the world quite yet. It will be soon. So come back to me in six months or so, or a year and look at, I can, I can give you some real data, but I do, I mean, even the promotion plans i have to promote my book and and pitching podcasts and pitching interviews and guest blogs and it's i am i am putting myself out there much more and i'm going to be you know much more visible which i anticipate will be good for my business since i coach lgbtq plus memoir and nonfiction writers and so i do anticipate there's going to be a a bump up in my business. And that remains to be seen. But I definitely am going to be on more stages and bigger stages with having my book out in the world. So it's really exciting.
0: That's a definite, like that's coming, right? Like, And that's so exciting. That's so exciting to see and experience with you. And as part of the community, it's just it's just going to be a blast. I'm so excited. We're going to have the pre-order link for Suzette's book in the show notes. And that's a great conversation that we have in the community as well, is different strategies that writers need to know about, like how important it is to get those pre-order sales so that you're sure. immediately on the list on the day that it launches, right?
1: Like there's, exactly.
0: whew, there's a lot to yeah. it. And to do it mm-hmm. on your own, it's just not feasible. You need a community, right? Oh, this is so fun. And now I'd really love, we're gonna wrap this up with a little brainstorming session of what, what is on your wish list of prescriptive nonfiction books with a with a queer perspective that you would like to see? And I'll kick us off. And we don't have to just limit it to one. Let's just like see <laughs> how many ideas we can come up with. So for me, being a later in life person coming out. I have four kids and I parented them 10 years ago in a much different way than I'm parenting them now. I've very much evolved as a person, but these little humans just see me as mom. And so I would love a parenting book that's all about how to navigate that shift as a queer parent for these kiddos that are just trying to understand why things feel so different and so unstable. So if there's a queer parenting coach out there somewhere, I need your
1: book, write it, <laughs> that, do you have yeah, one? Because you have enough other books on your list. Yes, I do. So you, you can't write that one. Not no. yet. You got to get the other ones written. Well, you know, it's such an interesting question and what, what comes to my mind, and this is really, you know, people, people come to prescriptive nonfiction books because they have a problem and they are looking for a solution. Okay. So, so I'm going to think about, well, what are some of my problems? So well, I've got a lot of different problems, but, what but, but one problem that comes to my mind immediately, that is unique, I think to the, queer experience and my particular queer experience. So I came out later in life, quite a bit later than you did, Elena. And I also made many, many other changes in my life. I changed professions. I changed, you know, uh, I, I was becoming an author for the first time in my early 60s. And um, I'm a book coach. And and so I'm in, I'm in that entrepreneurial space. And um, there's lots of great books out there about, you know, entrepreneur, how to, how to handle the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur, but I, I would love a book and I don't know, it may be kind of a bit niche down, but, but, you know, niche down is not, it. I think there's probably plenty of us out there. So I'd love a book that is written to a, a queer person who came out later in life, who has also made a big change in their professional life. So, you know, these two big shifts in identity, the personal and the professional later in life, and the challenges. um, And, you know, some, I'd love to, I'd love to learn from somebody else who has experienced that and maybe has a a framework to think about the different challenges in, in that space. So if there's some later in life, Queer person out there that maybe they're maybe you're a queer, maybe you're a career coach, maybe you're I don't know what what other a life coach, a career coach and a business coach. coach. Yeah, mm-hmm. business coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would Lovely. I would read that book for sure. I'd
0: read that book. Ooh. Building a business as you're building an identity. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: you mentioned 2.0, you know, 2.0 for you know, Suzette 2.0 for personal and professional. That'd be a great title. Somebody can come up, use that 2.0 thing for their title, for sure. Absolutely. You can steal that. Yeah. See, what book do you want to see?
2: I mean, I've had to do a lot of work and process through overcoming a lot of shame having two queer divorces, um, especially for something that we fought so hard to get as an institution and feeling like a failure. And there's a lot of divorce books and things like that, but there's nothing targeted to the queer community. And then, you know, tying that also to being more of a masculine presenting person, more trans masculine, dealing, you know, with trans or or I guess with toxic masculinity in and how it shows up in the queer community. I think that could be something, whether it's together or tied or whatnot, but I could have used a book on queer divorce for sure.
1: Wow. I think those are two brilliant ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought, and, and, and are we, we're, we're allowed to share more. I, okay. So that sort of the flip side of that, a, a book that I would love to read is a book on que- you know queer later in life marriage. Yes. I mean, yes. because I, I am in a queer later in life marriage and my wife and I have, This is very new. Um, uh, I was in a mixed gender marriage for many, many years. My wife was never married before. And, you know, we're, we're coming together, both kind of coming out later in life and now coming together as partners. And, you know, marriage is, as any of us who've been married or are married know is, is complicated and hard. And, and you add the complexity of Of LGBTQ plus and coming out later in life and bringing two lives that are already kind of fully formed in many ways together. I would love to read that book. I I want that book even more than my first one, but I'll read them both. (laughs) Yes. So do we have any queer relationship coaches or clear queer marriage coaches out I there? I mean,
0: I know some.
1: So now I'm oh like, my goodness. I'm sending okay. this episode. Yeah. You them. need to <laughs> send it to them. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously.
2: And when I think of relationships too, I know, you know, uh, as an elder millennial, we're obsessed with <laughs> astrology and compatibility and more of ab- more with same gender or gender non-conforming. Cause a lot of times it's like, Virgo man and, you know, Aquarius woman, and it's so binary and tied to things, but more research based on queer relationships with that astrology, or even with, I think of Enneagrams or Myers-Briggs personalities, Mm -hmm. um, compatibility, not so gender normative, things like
1: that. A queer, any, I love the Enneagram, a queer Enneagram book. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're, we're just, just giving you all free I mean, ideas here. come on. I know.
0: Oh, it's so true. I mean, one book I think almost everyone in our community probably would need is the steps to building community. Mm. So mm. many of us end up in situations for a variety of reasons where we are lacking our community and we don't have, no one in America, let's be frank, has these social skills to automatically know how to rebuild their community, right? It just happens more often in the LGBTQ plus community that we find ourselves in our 20s or 30s or 40s or 60s, realizing I need to figure out my network. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah that's a big barrier. I mean, even thinking about building our online presence in general with social media, you you see all these people. It's like build your business and whatnot, but they're all, I haven't seen a, a queer person pitching this to us, you know?
1: It's true. Because yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: that visibility yeah. means something different. When a queer person goes onto a TikTok live, that is a different thing than when a straight person does it, period. Like it's just a different yeah. atmosphere. It's a different amount of risk. Yeah. It's There's a lot there. Yes. And so having someone that really understands the nuance of that, like we said earlier, without having to explain it to them. That's a huge part of my executive coaching business is my clients get to explain like, well, I went to happy hour with the group last night and I know what that is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the intricacies of that and you don't have to really explain that. And I love it. Any last ideas on prescriptive nonfiction books that we need to see from our community?
1: I, th- I think the point is that there is not a, a lack of ideas. And we were, the three of us were chatting a little bit before we started recording, and we were having a hard time coming up with prescriptive nonfiction books in a number of uh, subject matter areas that were written by queer authors. And and so, and and I want to, I guess what I'd like to leave people with the idea is that being a subject matter expert doesn't mean that you have, you know, a PhD in psychology or anthropology or whatever the thing, it means that, you know, you, you, you know something intimately because it either a personal or professional experience that you have. And it's some, it's, it's an expertise that you are qualified to share with the world. And somebody needs that message and somebody needs to hear it. So there's I can't wait to see the ideas that come out of, of Outright Authors, this, this cohort. It's going to be a really, really exciting.
0: Changing the world a little bit over here. Just Changing a the world. Yeah. Yeah. In our little corner. Yeah. Well, thank you. See, thank you, Suzette. This has been amazing. So Outright Authors is going to be kicking off at the end of September. There will be lots of information if you go to outrightauthors.com. That link will also be in our show notes. There are payment plans available. There is a limited amount of scholarships available. We have made this as financially accessible as possible. And your tuition is considered a donation to our nonprofit. And so you can reflect that in your taxes. And we appreciate every person who's interested. And if you have any questions, please contact us. We are at prideandjoyfoundation.com. There's an easy little contact us button there and we will be sure to answer any questions that you have. But regardless, Suzette, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, people can find me at yourstoryfinder.com and you can find out about my book coaching, my one-on-one book coaching, my LGBTQ mentorship program and also you can find out about my book so it's all there on your storyfinder.com I'm also active on instagram the handle we'll put that in the show notes it's your it's you are storyfinder because somebody else took my <laughs> my other thing but uh, we'll put that in the show notes and I'd love to engage with you either you know on on instagram or or any other way so thanks Definitely. for thanks for asking that.
0: Yeah. Thank you. See, do you have a platform? Where, where can we find you at? Can we find you on Instagram?
2: Yes, you can. You can yes. also connect with me through the Pride and Joy Foundation.
0: Absolutely. C's has some incredible blog posts on our blog. I think your recent one about a note of appreciation, it was just really powerful for me. And I really appreciated that. And C is such an incredible part of our organization, lending a beautiful voice to so many different programs and keeping us all on track. Thank goodness. <laughs> we need it badly. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, guests. Thank you, Suzette and C, and we will see you in the next episode. What an amazing conversation. Fam, I want to know from you, what prescriptive nonfiction books by LGBTQ authors do you want to read? So many of our peers don't realize how much we need their voice and their expertise. If the idea of joining Outright Authors intrigues you, please know this. Ever since the first OWA cohort, my world has expanded for the better. I have queer writing friends that have now just become really great life friends. I get to read amazing work by queer authors, and I now a queer author, have created some amazing work as well. It's not often that I feel like an online class can truly improve your quality of life, but I can say without a doubt that Outright Author's first cohort did that for me. This is our second one, and if the keynote queer second cohort is any indication, this is going to be an amazing experience. If this feels aligned for you, I hope you join us outrightauthors.com. Until next time, friends, be good to yourselves. I appreciate you.